Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 tonight. We're going to look over a few verses of Scripture. It's okay if we study the Bible together tonight. And need I remind you again? We haven't had questions in a while. What's wrong with you? all just know everything, I guess, by now, huh? You must have a really good pastor. <laughs> oh, come on. If we're going to be cheesy, let's go all the way, huh? Come on, let me hear it tonight. How many of you love Pastor? Can I, can I feel a hug right now? Give me a hug from out there. Okay. Learned that from Pastor Tommy Birchfield. He used to say, give Brother Tommy a hug now from where you sit. Tommy Birchfield runs, uh, uh, what's it called? Texas Bible Institute in, uh, near Houston. Um, and when I was in, as a matter of fact, when I was youth pastor here, we started, we were taking our kids down there to a place called Discovery Camp during the summer. And then we figured out Christ for the Nations was a whole lot closer. So we'll just go to YFM rather than drive six hours down that way. But the Birchfields are some great people in the kingdom of God. We're on staff with Pastor Osteen, John Osteen, not Joel Osteen, their dad for many years, and uh, just some marvelous people. I don't know why I'm telling you all that, but you're welcome for all this randomness. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, let's look at verse 4. Thank you, Lord. I thank my God always concerning you for the grace of God which was given to you by Christ Jesus. How many of you are grateful for His grace that was given to you tonight? Amen. Let's continue. That you were enriched in everything by Him, in all utterance and all knowledge. Verse 6. Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come short in no gift. Say, come short in no gift. Say it again. Come short in no gift. Eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, thank you for this time together with my family. Thank you for the wisdom of your word. It's a wisdom, Lord, that stands throughout all ages. The counsel of the Lord stands forever and the plans of his heart to all generations. So we're here tonight, Lord, not to, not to just come to a church meeting, but, Father, to experience your presence and your power, your grace and your love. We need a God encounter tonight. We need your word to be infused in us tonight. We need to, the life that it brings and the health that it brings to us because your word says that it is life to those who find it and it is health to all their flesh. And we thank you for your word. We just allow it now. We invite your word into our hearts, to our ears, into our lives tonight to bear fruit. Bear fruit in us and through us. We are yours tonight. We are submitted. We are surrendered to you. And we believe our God tonight. We believe that all things are possible to those who believe, all those who will have faith in God. And all those who have faith in God said, Amen and Amen. That you come short in no gift. That you come short in no gift. Now I want us to go to Romans chapter 11 for a moment, see something about what the Scripture says about gifts, about gifts. You'll have to excuse my voice tonight. It's a little tired. I was preached in um, Kerrville. Uh, at their Word First conference at Pastor Burt Wimberley's church. You know what I love about that church? Is that it's a big piece of property there, so every year he invites me and my brother to go shoot a deer there, and then I get to preach there. I mean, that's like heaven on earth right there. Kill an animal and preach on the same property. Amen. That's got to be God's will. That's his perfect will. Amen. 
don't just kill them, we eat them too. We, we take God seriously. I, I, I take it personally. What God told Peter, I believe he's telling me. Arise, Eric, kill and eat. That's in Acts chapter 10. Amen. Romans chapter 11. Look at this. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. I, this is a powerful verse. For the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. Now, what, now I want to give you the context of this chapter. But we need to understand that this truth is one of those that extends out of just a context to a, a chapter. Like, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's a standalone truth, isn't it? You don't even need the prior verse or the later verse to get the understanding of that truth. But for the context of it, Paul is talking about Israel here in Romans chapter 11, and that what he has began with Israel, what he has begun with Israel, I should say, he is going to finish with his people. God has not cast them off, as some people believe. Oh, no, no, no. God's got a work to do with his own people because the covenant that God made with Abraham, need I remind us tonight, is an everlasting covenant. All right? And we as Gentiles got in because blindness in part happened to Israel, so then we got to be grafted into this thing too. I tell my Jewish friend Stephen here all the time, I said, I understand, Stephen, where I stand in this thing, in the kingdom, that you're going to be at the, at the table, and I might be waiting on your table. I'm just happy to be there, brother. He comes from the tribe of Judah. Same tribe Jesus came from. He's kin to Jesus. Naturally and spiritually. Got the double blessing. Anyway, but I, I get it. I get it. I mean, I'm happy to be in this thing. But God has not forsaken his people. And so that's why he, he kind of culminates this truth about his heart for his people. That the gifts and the callings of God are irrevocable. But we all understand that, that that's true across the board. Whatever God gives, he does not take back. God does not manipulate with gifts. When he gives them, he gives them. Hmm? When he gives them, he gives, why? Because we've done something so wonderful? No, because he's so wonderful. Because he's so good. Because he loves us. Because he values us. Because he wants to give us something. See, you have the grace of God come into your life, not because you deserved it, but because that's what he wanted to give you. According to the good pleasure of his will. He set all this up, praise God, for the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. You know what this means? Well, this means it's a permanent deal. Anything that you've ever received from God concerning gifts and calling are always and will always be there. It just needs to be activated by your faith. I pray that you come short in no gift. See, what Paul is saying is the gift giving is not short. Us receiving it by faith is where we've come short sometimes. Us operating in that gift is where we fall short sometimes. But that we come short in no gift. We want to see the gifts of God in full operation in our lives. Can I get a good amen? This is a Spirit-filled, tongue-talking, Holy Spirit-filled church. Is that right? Am I talking to the right? Okay, I was making sure. Irrevocable. That word irrevocable, I love the word irrevocable when it comes to God giving His gifts and God giving His calling. It means without repentance, not to be repented of, which means, what that's saying is He gave it and He's never going to change His mind about it. 
without repentance, without that. You know what repentance means, right? To change your mind, to change the way you think. So he says it's irrevocable. That, that is, God's not going to take him back. It's unrepented. That is, he's not going to change his mind. But it also means unregretted. And he doesn't regret giving it to you. Hmm. God's not going to take the gift and calling back. God's not going to change his mind. And he's not going to regret ever giving them to us. I love this. I don't know about you, but that was worth coming to church for right there. It really was. That's a powerful thought. So what does that mean for us? That means that you need to activate what God has put in you by faith. And understand that it's not by your own strength, it's not by might, but it's by His Spirit that these things are in full operation in our lives. As we live in the Spirit, then we are, I have, have quick and ready access to these gifts at all times. Well, what are those gifts? Well, that's another teaching. You'll have to go back and listen to some other podcasts to find out what all those are. But 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is a good place to look. Because he lists them out, Romans chapter 12, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, we've gone over the gifts of the Father, the gifts of the Son, the gifts of the Spirit, healing and miracles, word of wisdom, word of knowledge. What else, Nathan? Apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, administrations, leadership, giving, helps. I love that helps is in there. I mean, we can all help. I mean, you might not be prophesying all that, but can you help somebody? That's a gift of the Spirit. Well, I don't, I don't really know if I'm, I don't know what I can do for God. Help somebody. Help somebody. There you go. You're gifted by God. Operating in the gift. Helping somebody. And I love that helps is listed right in there amongst working of miracles and faith and healings and helps. It's beautiful. You see how God sees everything that happens. Like, like, for instance, for what happens here at One Cause Church. What's happening in that nursery with those precious nursery workers? Can we give those people a great hand? Huh? I mean, I'm, I'm amazed. I'm amazed. I'm amazed not only at the quality of people that we have there, but their dedication to do what they do week in and week out, tirelessly and, and thanklessly many times. But what's happening there is the same anointing that's happening right here by the preaching of the Word. What's happening when Brother Tommy greets you at the door? That's an anointing that's happening right there. That's a flow. That's a gift of the Spirit right there. What's happening in that sound booth? Believe it or not, even through Josh back there. He's helping us. <laughs> he's helping us. That right there is a, the, uh, the anointing, a, an anointing of the Spirit, a flow of the Spirit. What's happening in kids' church? What, what's happening in every facet? Of, in the coffee shop. Man, the anointing is on the coffee at One Cause Church. It's happening in our live stream ministry with Jason Voss running this camera. Hi, those who are tuned in. God bless you, and thank you, Jason. All of this is all work of the Spirit. It's all the gifts being manifested in operation. And we all do this together. Not one is more important than the other because we're all individual members of the body of Christ, and everything that we do, every function, is so elite to our God. It's so important to Him. The gifts and the callings are irrevocable. I love that. Now, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I'm going to, kind of, I'm going to bookend chapter 13 with the last verse of chapter 12 and the first verse of chapter 14. All right? Look, look at this. But earnestly desire the best gifts. Now, he has just given us a list of what those gifts are. And we don't, for the sake of time, we're not going to go through them. And yet, watch this. Earnestly desire the best gifts, or, or one version says the greater gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. 
All right, now these gifts are wonderful, and, these are the, and you, want, you ought to desire the best gifts, which are the gifts of the Spirit. But he says, I'm going to show you something even more excellent than operating in gifts. Ooh. Chapter 13, verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, watch, but have not love, I become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. You heard that clanging cymbal tonight, and I do apologize for that. Man, I miss day-day on nights like this. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. He just talked about all these gifts, right? Prior to that. And though I have these things and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. In other words, these gifts are predicated upon something greater. They're founded upon something greater than just being gifts. They are all motivated by the power of God's love. But I want you to understand something. I want you to notice what he says, but, but have not love. Now, the, these verses, this is a beautiful chapter. I mean, I've read this. I don't know how, how many weddings the bride and groom have had me read this chapter at their, at their weddings. It's a, it's a marvelous chapter to read. And uh, it's like, you know, you're pretty sure to hear Psalm 23 at a funeral. Right? And I think it's a great Verse 4, great passage for funerals, but it's not just for funerals. That's a powerful six, six verses. Anyway, uh, that I can remove it, but have not love. And what he's saying is that we can, we can put some uh, man-made ideals on this and kind of religionize it and legalize it to where it becomes a performance thought rather than this is not what he's saying if you don't operate in love. This is not what he's saying. He says if you don't possess the love of God, that you first need to be loved by God. You first need to have that love, receive that love from God. See, how can we really know? How can we truly love if we haven't received love ourselves? So this passage isn't about really what you do in love. It's about what... He does in love and about our place in receiving that love if I, I give my body to be burned but if I have not received the love of God what does that what does that accomplish now watch this verse 3 uh, and though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor and though I give my body to be burned there it is but have not love it profits me nothing oh wow verse 4 this is the more excellent way love suffers long whose love is this Whose love is this? This is God's love. It suffers long and is kind. Boy, I tell you what, I need, I need, I need to work, like, work on this for myself. How many of you suffer long and can still be kind? <laughs> it suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy Love does not parade itself, is not puffed up. Love does not behave rudely, does not seek its own, is not provoked, thinks no evil. This isn't talking about you, it's talking about love. Does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. I love this. Bears all things. Love bears all things. Believes 
all things. That's extraordinary to me. Love believes all things. You know what that is really telling us about love? Love's pretty gullible. You know, or, or love would rather believe somebody's telling the truth than speculate that maybe they're lying. Love believes all things. You're going to have to convince me you're lying because I'm going to believe you're telling me the truth. I'm not going to assume you're lying. I'm going to assume you're telling the truth. Oh, this is so good. Hopes all things, endures all things. And I love this, verse 8, love never fails. Now watch this. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Now what does that mean, that prophecies are going to fail? Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. Now I have some very good friends who are of the denominational persuasion. And they like to use this verse here and the next one to teach that tongues and prophecy and those things are passed away. But watch. Whether there are prophecies, they will fail. It literally means to come to an end. How many of you have ever received a prophetic word from somebody? If you've been in this church, there's a good chance that's happened to you. Right? How many of you saw it come to pass? You saw the... Okay? So what that means is once it's come to pass, isn't it over? Isn't it over? Okay, so then we've moved on since then. Okay, now watch. It's talking about whether, it be, whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, watch, it will vanish away. Let me ask you a question. Do we still have knowledge here in the earth today? Okay, that's why I try to t- talk to my friends about this, those who are of this persuasion, and say, how can you say tongues interpretation, or tongues and, and prophecies are gone when knowledge is still here, they're in the same verse. You don't get to just pick two that you don't like and take them out and say they no longer exist. This is all in the same verse. It will vanish away. Verse 9, For we know in part, and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. What in the world is he talking about? Well, again, I'm not here to pick on my denominational friends. I love them. They say that which is perfect is the, is the Holy Scriptures. That once the Bible got fully written, then we got the perfect thing. There is a problem with that, though. Paul's writing this. Paul's writing the Scriptures. All right? <laughs> He's writing these. Now watch. Hang on. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. What's in part? Prophecy and knowledge. It didn't say tongues was in part. It just says tongues will cease. But knowledge and prophecy are both in part. Next. Uh, When I was a child, I spoke. Now he's going to give us a little example, a little illustration of what he's talking about. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. In other words, this is talking about a maturation process. All right? In growing up. Stay with me. Verse 12. For now we see, now we see in a mirror dimly, or the King James says, now we see through a glass darkly. What that means is we live in this flesh and we don't have, we don't have the full understanding or the full consummation, if you will, of our salvation because we are still in a body that is contrary to the things of the Spirit. Now, thank God that's not the end of the story. One day you're going to have a body that's going to, 
also want to serve God and do everything right, right? It's never going to wear out. It's never going to get sick, never going to get tired, never going to be mean. Amen. Never going to die. But right now, we see in a mirror dimly. That is, we live in this flesh, and so we don't really get the full understanding. Even our own understanding is limited to this finite mind. But then, face to face. Now, what is he talking about here? He's talking about the day that we receive spirit, soul, and body salvation. All right? We are fully, fully, fully. We see the full reconciliation of our salvation. Now I know in part. But then I shall know just as I also am a seek. What he's saying is, I'm going to know myself as God has known me all this time. Right now, it's hard for me to see it. I see it dimly. And the only way I can see that is by, by faith. and by, I see the operations of the gifts. I see these spurts, if you will, these sparks, something of the life of God and the wisdom of God, but I don't see it fully yet. It's just in part. We get through prophecy and through tongues and, and through some knowledge, but, but it's limited while I'm in this body. But then, face to face, then I'm going to know as I also am known. See, God knows you for who you really are. Aren't you grateful to God that He sees you for who you really are? And who you really are is not what's made up of in this flesh. He sees you the righteousness of God in Christ, a saint in the kingdom of God, a child of God, fully matured in the Spirit. Verse 13. And now abide faith, hope, love. These three. But the greatest of these is love. You see, because when we all do get to heaven someday, are we going to need faith then? No. Faith is for now. Are we going to need hope then? No, we're going to be living in the fullness of our hope. But one thing is going to remain. Ages and beyond. His love that never fails. Now, Paul is not saying when that which is perfect, that is the Holy Scriptures come. He's talking about the day when we are with our Father and our Savior Jesus and the Holy Spirit forever and ever and ever and ever when we will know perfection to its fullest. Chapter 14, verse 1. Look what he says. He goes right back to it. Pursue love and desire spiritual gifts. Because while we're on this earth, we need these gifts in operation. While we're here, while we've not yet reached perfection at its fullest, in the spirit it's true, we need these gifts in operation. We need to hear from God. We need to know the wisdom of God. We need to have the understanding. We need words of wisdom, words of knowledge. We need to know what God is saying and what God wants to do in us and through us in the earth. So we've got to pursue love. You see what I'm saying? The first part is he's saying it's not just about the gifts. It's pursuing love and desiring the gifts so that you make sure that the gifts flow out of the love that God has for you. Ooh, that's good. The love that you possess. Desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. Then he goes on into chapter 14 and talks about tongues and, 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 and lays it all out in, in its setting in church. So let me just encourage you tonight to desire this, the, the gifts, to desire the greater gifts. And search those things out. Ask the Lord to use you in those, in those ways. He just says to desire spiritual gifts. And when your faith is in operation, say, God, use me in these things. I want to operate in the gifts. I want to help people. 
I don't want to stumble through life. I want to not only receive direction and correction and help, but I also want to be able to give that to someone else, to encourage someone else to build them up. Because the whole reason for these gifts, my family, the reason that God even has these things in operation in the church is because He loves people. The reason they're in the church is because He loves people. And He just wants someone who will desire those things so that He can use those gifts in operation through you to them. The manifestation of those gifts happened to you, but the gift is to the recipient. Amen. And it says the gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. They're irrevocable. The cool thing about these gifts are there are some, some gifts that you have that you're naturally you're born with, but there are other gifts that you can operate in just because you desire them. And these kinds of gifts right here, these gifts of the Spirit, are there not because you're born with them, but because you simply desire them. And he says, I, but especially that you may prophesy. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the entire church here. He's not talking to, to just the office of the prophet. He's saying you can all do it. You can all, I wish you all spoke with tongues is what he said, even in the same chapter. So you can all operate in these gifts according to how much you desire. Amen. And they're irrevocable, praise God. And he never regrets calling you and gifting you. But he wants to help you, and he wants you to help others with these gifts. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you for the gifts of the Spirit. Thank you for these precious, precious treasures that you have made available to us simply by your own good pleasure, by your own will, that whoever will desire these things and seek after them can operate in them, can experience them not only for themselves, but also be used to bless so many others, so that the love of God may be known more and more and experienced more and more. Because at the end of the day, it is the greatest of these, and it is that which never fails. Lord, help us first and foremost to fully grasp and fully receive the love that you have for us. Help us, Lord. Can we just go one more place? It's only 8.02. Can we go one more place? I just had something come to my mind, and I think somebody might need to hear this tonight. Of all places, let's go to the book of Revelation for a moment. I know it's Wednesday night at 8 o'clock, but you guys are acting like it's the early service. (laughs) Revelation chapter 2. We'll start, excuse me, we'll start reading in verse 1. To the angel of the church of Ephesus, right, these things says he who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks in the midst of the seven golden lampstands. I love this imagery. I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil, 
And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars. <clears throat> and you have pre- persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake. Don't change the, the verse. Leave it right here for a second. Labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Let me ask you a question. This sounds like a pretty good church, doesn't it, so far? Huh? These are people who will not put up with false teaching. Kind of sounds like us a little bit. Huh? The word people. Love the word. Love the truth of the word. Won't put up with anything else. But look at this. He says, I know your labor and your patience and all that, and that you have persevered and have patience and have labored for my name's sake and have not become weary. Wow, this is awesome. Then verse 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. What in the world? That's a big thing to be against us with, right? Does it sound like that everything that they've been doing is because of their love? Doesn't that sound like loving things that they've been doing? Protecting the people from false teaching? They want the truth? They've been laboring? They've been patient? And they've been doing it tirelessly. And they've been doing it in the name of Jesus. And he says, nevertheless, I have this against you. Now listen to this. This is so important. Because he wants us to understand something tonight. This is not about your performance. This is about the love of God. It's not about your values or your principles. There's a greater thing at stake here. And it's the love of God. And you've left it. See, you've got a good performance going. You look good before everybody. But I'm telling you, you've left your first. See, when I was a kid, when I was growing up, and, and uh, I've had several youth pastors, but we had one in particular. Oh, boy, he used to beat us up with this one right here. I love him to this day. But he used to tell you, you've left your first love. You, they're out there fornicating and doing this and doing that and doing that. Well, this church, they were in some, it doesn't sound like they're out in some nasty sin, does it? I mean, these people are really trying to do the right thing. They're just really trying to do the right thing. And he says, but you left your first love, not because they've been off doing some sin. And so that, you know, we are always told, so what you need to do is come back to your first love. Remember that first moment you got saved. Get back to that first love. Okay, that may be, that's okay. That's not really what this is talking about. Watch. Verse 5. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. In other words, he's saying you were in a high place, but now you've fallen. You've fallen into performance. You've fallen into being right and doing right. And that's not the aim in this relationship. That's not the aim for the church at all. Lord, help us. Remember, therefore, from where you've fallen, repent. Change the way you think. And do the first works. Oh, what are the first works? Oh, these are the first works. Like Paul said, I can get my body to be burned, do all that stuff. But if I don't have love, none of that profits me anything. Anybody can perform right. Anybody can do right. We have a world full of really good people who don't know one ounce of the love of God. They've never received his love for themselves. And if the church starts acting like everybody else, then how can we really know the difference of what it is to be loved by God? He said, you've fallen. 
You need to do the first work. Well, what were the first works? We work. We do what we do because we love God and because He loves us. He said, you lost your first love. Well, what's the first love? Well, John clearly tells us what the first love is. In this is love, not that we loved Him, but that He first loved us. Love didn't begin when I started loving Him. Love began because He loved me while I was still a sinner. That's the first love, that I first possess that love. That's the first love, that I'm motivated out of that possession of the love of God. Not because I want to do right, not because I want to be right, but simply because God loves me. You see the difference here. Now, Jesus gives a, I mean, he gives a stern warning here. Look what he says. Do the first or else I will come to you quickly and remove your lampstand from its place unless you're pit. In other words, you're, got, you're not going to be a church of influence anywhere to anybody because I'm not going to have the world, you representing, misrepresenting me to this world. So I'm going to take your influence out. If you're going to make this about performance, you're done. Come up to this high place to the first love and do all that you do, all the wonderful things that you do, let them flow out of the love that you possess from me. You know what you find in that? You find real rest. And you know what else you find? True humility. Because it's never about you in that deal. This is about the love of God and what it, the difference that it's made in your life. Amen. Okay, that only took seven more minutes, so amen. Praise God. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you for being here tonight. I love you very much. I thank God for you. God is good. He is good, continually good. You are good and you do good. Why don't we lift our hands and just bless His name. Let the fruit of your lips offer up thanksgiving and praise to His name. This is called a sacrifice of praise. He loves to hear from you. He loves to hear your words. He wants to hear from your heart tonight. However you can think, what, thank Him for what He's done. What he's, thank Him for His love that He brought to you. Just let Him fill you with His love right now. Say, Lord, love me. I open my whole heart, my life, everything. Love me. Fill me with your love. Let me be motivated by your love and love alone. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, right now for the love of God. The love of God that never fails. The love of God that is patient and kind. The love of God, hallelujah, that bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. And it casts out all fear. And it covers a multitude of sins, Lord. We thank you for your love tonight. Let it wash over us. Let it refresh us and rejuvenate us tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your perfect love. That in that love, Lord, this is the high place that you've called us to to be loved by you so that any measure of love that we express comes from that love, not our own, because we cannot author something <laughs> like that. It starts with you. It starts with you. And God is love. Lord, I thank you now, right now, for rest and peace, strength. Thank you for the joy of the Holy Spirit, joy unspeakable and full of glory. Lord, let it permeate these people tonight. Let them sense, Lord, your presence. 
when they walk out of these doors, Lord, let it just remain on them. When they go home, when they lay down tonight, let, that, let them just continue to feel the glory of your presence with them, Lord. Even through the night, when they get up in the morning, they still, oh, God, you're with me. Christ in me, the hope of glory. Where I go, you go, because you said you would never leave me. You'll never forsake me. Lord, if we continue to have a Christ in me mentality, Lord, oh, God, if we would continually stay aware of that, oh, how much better days we would live and better experiences we could have. Thank you, Lord. We receive your grace tonight. Your unearned, undeserved, unmerited favor because you simply wanted to give it to us. Thank you for that. Bless your people now as they go from here tonight, just they've been, as they've been blessed in their coming in. Lord, I declare over them that no evil shall befall them and no plague shall come near their dwelling. <clears throat> for you give your angels charge over them to keep them in all their ways. Thank you, Lord, for the precious blood of Jesus that cleanses and covers their lives continually. Thank you, Lord, for the love of God that goes with them. I thank you, Lord, that they are the head and not the tail, above and never beneath, first, not last, victors and never victims. Lord, I thank you that as they go from here, that you cause the mountains and the hills to break forth in singing and the trees of the field to clap their hands as they go forth with joy tonight. In the name of Jesus, fill with the Spirit of the living God. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you and cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name, amen and amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.